Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. John 9.35, it says, Jesus heard that he had been cast him out, and when he found him, he said unto him, Dost thou believe on the Son of God? Or put it this way, just think of it this way. Do you believe on God the Son? He answered and said, Who is he, Lord, that I might believe on him? And Jesus said unto them, Thou hast both seen him, and it is he that talketh with thee. So through the Bible, the Lord Jesus talks with us, and when we come to realize he's God, God the Son, just like this, that's like he told that man about God the Son, that was both seen him, it's he that talked with thee. When a person sees that, then the Bible becomes the word of the Lord Jesus, the word of God, the word of my God, the word of my Lord, the word of my Jesus. Okay, now, Joseph has finished his words, uh, finished all the words that he wants his brothers to get straight, get it right, tell his father. And now he moves on, to what he wants his brothers to tell his, to further tell his father in verse 13. Verse 13, where he says, and you shall tell my father of all my glory in Egypt and of all that you have seen, and you shall, and, and you shall haste and bring down my father hither. Now, now Joseph has, 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 um, not just put the words in his mouth, in their mouths, which he had, but now he's instructed them something else. They should tell their, they should tell their father, about all of Joseph's glory that they had seen in Egypt. You shall tell my father of all my glory in Egypt and of all that ye have seen. And that's important, that word seen. I mean, there needs to be a balance. Joseph was saying to them, there's got to be a balance in, 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 in what you're saying here. A balance between the exact words that, that I'm giving you to tell, tell dad. And I've rehearsed them with you and gone over them so you know them. And, and so there's got to be this balance between the words, exact words, and now the glory that you've seen. The glory that you've seen. So the brothers had to bring the exact objective message that Joseph gave them. But the brothers also needed to bring their own impression, their own personal observations, their own personal testimonies of what they had seen of Joseph's glory in Egypt. See, if the brothers had only brought Joseph's message, it would have been, uh, it wouldn't have been a complete report because it, it would have lacked their own personal observations, their personal experiences, their personal testimonies. If the brothers, on the other hand, had only brought their personal testimonies and not brought the exact message from Joseph, then it would it would not have been a complete report, because it would have left Jacob it would have left Jacob up in the air. 
Yeah, well, what should I do? So both had to make up their report to, to Jacob. Both the words that, that they were to say to Jacob and, and their own personal testimony of what they had seen of, of Joseph's glory in Egypt. And it's this balance. It's this balance here that we can see that how we are to bring our, our message to the lost in evangelism. Because just as Joseph rehearsed in the ears the exact words of his message they were to bring his father there, so in our evangelism, in our witness to the lost, when we bring the gospel to the lost, we are to bring the exact words of God, what he said in the gospel message. We're to say, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. We're to say those, say words like that, the exact words of what's in the Bible. But as Joseph told his brothers, then, then you give your eyewitness account. Then, then, then you see, you see, he told his brothers, tell dad about all my glory that you've seen in Egypt. And so we're to give our own personal testimony of what we've seen the Lord do for us in our lives. Both are necessary if we're to have a complete witness for the Lord. A witness is not complete if it's only the Bible. It's out of balance. Because the lost will say, well, what difference has that made in your life? Have you done that? So we need our personal testimony to go along with our witness, just as the brothers needed to give their personal testimony of Joseph's glory that they had seen in Egypt. And on the other hand, a witness is not complete if a person only tells about what God has done for them. Then the lost will say, well, that's all well and good for you. That's your personal story, but I'm not you. And so I don't see how that applies to me at all. That's why it's important to include in our witness what the Bible says, like, it says things like, uh, in, in Acts 26.20, in Acts 26.20, but showed first unto them of Damascus and at Jerusalem throughout all the coast of Judea, Gentiles, that they should repent and turn to God and do works for repentance. And Mark's 1.15, Mark 1.15, repent ye, believe the gospel. And just as, as Joseph wanted to see his glory, to, to, wanted his father to know that brothers have seen the glory. So the Lord, he, he, he wants, he wants us to see his glory also. The Lord wants us to see his glory. Just as Joseph wanted his father to see his glory, the Lord wants us to see his glory. He said that in John 17, 24. John 17, 24. Father, I will that they also whom thou hast given me be with me where I am that they may behold my glory which thou hast given me. Now, we only partly today, we just partly see the glory of God. We can't see it very clearly because it says that in 1 Corinthians 13, 12. 1 Corinthians 13, 12 says, for now we see through a glass darkly, not very well, and, and, but, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then shall I, shall I know. You know, I, I, I think about to see the glass darkly. I went up to visit my, my brother, my half-brother Bob, last week, Wednesday. And I was trying to show him how to work the jitterbug phone. Boy, that was something. But anyway, so he went, so he gets out with the, let me look, get, let me, let me look at it. He says, and he, he takes out his reading glasses and his, the lenses had fallen out and he had scotch tape. Oh. <laughs> and they were all dirty and he puts it on and I says, how can you see anything with those things? You know, uh, scotch tape. Anyway, so that's a picture of us from, from 1 Corinthians 13, 12. Now we see through a, a glass darkly. But then, face to face, now I know in part, and then shall I know. Now, it's important for us 
to see the glory of God, the glory of the Lord Jesus, even if it's only partly, because, because as we see it, even partly, then we are changed. This is what changes us. When we see the glory of the Lord Jesus, even partly, it changes us because that's what the Holy Spirit does. It says that in 2 Corinthians 3.18, 2 Corinthians 3.18, but we all with open face beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. Now, there's only one reason that we can, we can even partly see the glory of God. There's just one reason we can even partly see it, and it's because of what the Bible calls the command and the shining of God. It says that in 2 Corinthians 4, 6. 2 Corinthians 4, 6 says, for God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Now, what we've seen so far has been, has been very instructive for us because it shows us how to witness to the lost. And, and so we've seen how Joseph instructed his brothers on the exact words of what they were to tell the father. It's very clear to us when we see that, 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 that Joseph did not want his brothers to deviate or elaborate, but just say the word for word of what he said. Don't add your own interpretation to the word. Just recite the words as the Lord, the, the Lord said, as he said. As he said, he said there, he said, thus saith thy son Joseph, says that. And we see how that represents for us the central part of our witness to the lost, the word of God. And, and it's shown us that these, there are three really important words that we say to the lost. And those words are, the Bible says, the Bible says, get behind the Bible. It's the power, it's the authority, the authority the most powerfully authoritative words in our witness are simply, the Bible says. The Bible says. We're saying God says. When we say the Bible says, we're saying God says. Why? Because when the Bible speaks, God speaks. So our witness of the lost has got to contain the Bible says. But that's, that's not all that Joseph told his brothers because he told them that you, you, what you should see. You should see what you should, you tell what you've seen. Now, this is the time when the brothers can go on and, 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 and give their own eyewitness account of what they'd seen of his glory, what they'd experienced when they were down there in Egypt. And we can, we can see Jacob saying to his sons, okay, so tell me what you saw in Egypt. Tell me. And then they could tell their own, oh, I saw Joseph. Oh, the servants, they were all, they had their eyes fixed on him, you know, with such attentiveness. Oh, no. In other words, say, oh, no, I saw announcers that went before Joseph. You couldn't believe it. They were crying out, bow the knee, and all the Egyptians were saying that Joseph was ruler. And so that's a, so that's the second part of our witness. And then, but Joseph hasn't finished. He hasn't finished instructing his brothers. Now, two more vital instructions that he wants to give to his brothers, and they're found in the last part of verse thirteen when he said, "Ye shall haste and bring down my father hither." Now, the third instruction that Joseph gave to his brothers is, you shall haste. Basically, Joseph is saying, hurry up. There's an urgency to your mission to reach my father. There's an urgency. I mean, Joseph knew that his father had been suffering from, from a lack of food and that he might die at any moment from malnutrition. And so he saw that the delivery of his message, Joseph saw the delivery of his message was really a life and death matter here. It was very urgent. So for Joseph, he saw that the delivery of his message could make the difference between life and death. 
So when he says to his brothers, you shall haste, we can see Joseph doing everything that he can to transfer to them this sense of life and death urgency. He's trying to transfer this to them. In essence, he's saying, look, if you delay, you could be responsible for death. You gotta hurry up. Run back to Canaan. Deliver this message of life to my father. Now, that's the third instruction that Joseph was giving to his brothers. And from that, this one, he said, you shall haste. We can see this third instruction for the Lord Jesus giving uh, giving to us as his witnesses. And just as Joseph told his brothers, hurry up, so the Lord Jesus is saying to us, hurry up with, with, with the mission to tell the lost the gospel message. And the trouble is that we get so wrapped up and distracted in life that inwardly we're really saying, we don't say it outwardly, we're really saying, don't push me, don't rush me. I'll get around to witnessing the lost when, I, when I'm good and ready. And, and what's the rush? You know, uh, I'll just stand behind my gospel information booth and I'll, I'll, no, I'll sit. I'll sit behind my gospel information booth, and I'll wait for someone to come up and ask me for the reason that I hope I've got within me, but I'm not going to get off of my seat and go around the, the gospel information booth and, and go talk to people walking by. No, they'll be mad. But time is very limited. Time is very limited, limited, and our delay of delivering the gospel message could be the difference between eternal life and eternal death for individuals, and that's what God meant when he gave this warning which he did in Ezekiel, when he said in Ezekiel 3.18, God says, when I say to the wicked, thou shalt surely die, and thou givest him not warning, nor speakest to warn the wicked from his wicked way to save his life, the same wicked man shall die of his iniquity, but his blood will I require at thine hand. And then it was so important that God repeated that, which he said in Ezekiel 3.18, he repeated it again in Ezekiel 33.8. Ezekiel 33.8. And then he said in Ezekiel 33.6, but if the watchman see the sword come and blow not the trumpet and the people be not warned, if the sword come, take any person from among them, he's taken away in his own iniquity, but his blood will I require at the watchman's hand. That's a tremendous responsibility that the watchman's got there. God's called us to be watchmen. So, we are, to the lost, the watchmen. And we, and, and we see what the lost don't see. The watchman sees what the people don't see. So we see certain judgment for the lost in hell. We see certain escape for the lost by coming in repentance to the Lord Jesus for salvation, which is what we must responsibly tell the lost. That as watchmen, we have to tell them, when someone dies, our first question has got to be, was that person saved? And if not, our second question needs to be, could I have reached that person with the gospel? And our third question has got to be, how can I reach the next person with the gospel who hasn't died yet? You know, the man who built this pulpit, right there, the man who built that pulpit, and all our bookshelves at the Creation Museum, and all our cabinets in Takati, and all the wood parts of the tabernacle, both the tabernacles, both in Santee and in Takati. He died suddenly this last week of a heart attack on Friday, Friday before last, at home. He was in his 50s. His name was Abel. He was part of a team in Mexico that built the tabernacle. And I remember how he and other team members were pouring through the book of Exodus to get the dimensions and to get the meanings behind all the, the parts of the tabernacle. I hope he was saved, but that drives to a sense of urgency. You know, this last week, 
a 27-year-old mother of two little kids, two little children who worked in our industrial park. She didn't work in Scandibus. She worked in our industrial park in Takati, another company. On Monday, she missed the employee bus that was bringing her to work, supposed to bring her to work. She needed the income for that day's work. So she rushed out of the door, all upset, trying to get to work. She caught the city bus that dropped her off across the, the federal highway, across the street to the industrial park. It was 5.30 in the morning. It was dark. She, like so many other people, it's so terrifying, think they can dodge the cars when they run out there. Ten steps off of the sidewalk there, and she was hit by a speeding car. And the car never stopped. She was killed instantly. And there, her dead body lay in the street, as they do down there. The police and the Red Cross came, and what they did is they left her dead body face up, blood running out of the side of her mouth for three hours in the street. Why do they do that? I always wonder, why do they do that? But I figured out why they do that. That's a very powerful warning. And that dead body left on display there with no covering, no covering, no sheet, no nothing, no covering at all for three hours. Boy, I tell you, if that doesn't tell you to drive carefully. And I've seen this before in Takati. I've seen this before. It's very disturbing. And everyone coming to work at Scandibodies in Takati on that day, they saw her, they saw the face of her dead body. And it's very effective. And I'll never forget that, but that place or another place where I saw another dead woman on the same highway that was killed in an accident. The display of the dead bodies is very effective, and I still remember the look on her face and on the face lying on the road. But there's another effect. There's another effect that it has, it has and that's on how limited our opportunity is to reach the lost with the gospel. We don't know when a person's going to, life is going to end and the opportunity to be saved is going to be gone forever. And the look on that dead lady's face, it's still, I can see it. It still speaks to me. And the, and it's, and, 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 and I, and, and as I see it, I like hear this question coming off of her saying, why didn't you tell me the gospel? Why didn't you tell me the gospel? Now, so just as Joseph is trying to transfer this sense of urgency to his brothers, so the Lord Jesus is trying to transfer to us the sense of urgency to, to get the gospel to the lost. Now, let me ask you a question. What if the brothers said to Joseph? What if the brothers said to Joseph, Joseph, relax. Don't be so insistent with all this, you shall haste. Joseph, you just don't understand predestination. Let me explain it to you. And this will really help you with all your anxiety and you shall haste to go. Here's how predestination works, Joseph. Either our father is predestined to live and come down to Egypt, or our father is predestined to die and not come down to Egypt. And either way, it doesn't matter if we hurry up or not. Or if our father is predestined to live, then he'll live, he'll come down to Egypt, whether or not we hurry up. And if our father is predestined to die before coming to Egypt, then he's going to die and whether or not we hurry up. Now, if the brothers believed that, that would have been the greatest block for them to receive what Joseph was trying to transfer them, which is this sense of urgency. And in the same way, the greatest block for believers in receiving this, the, the Lord's sense of urgency is this fatalistic predestination or fatalistic Calvinism that says, don't be upset if a lost person died without receiving the Lord. He or she was, was obviously not part of the elect. And the elect will be saved whether or not you hurry up or not. And some people are just predestined for hell. So it's okay if you didn't reach them with the gospel because they're predestined for either heaven or hell, whether or not, you can't change that. You can't change that. 
And that's today's soul anesthetic that puts a believer asleep and incapable of receiving the transfer of the Lord's sense of urgency to reach the lost with the gospel. So the third instruction that the Lord gives to us in our gospel witness is that this is an urgent matter. we got to reach the lost now with the gospel message, and we have a responsibility to bring the gospel quickly to the lost. Now, the fourth and the last instruction that Joseph gives to his brothers is, bring down my father hither. Now, in this last instruction, Joseph is saying to his brothers, look, your job is not just to hurry up and tell my words and tell your testimony of what you've seen. I don't want you just to go up there and tell things quickly and walk away and say, okay, I did my job. You know, I I did what I was responsible for and I gave the message quickly, so I'm done. No, Joseph wanted he wanted them to bring their father down to Egypt, and the brothers should not feel that they've been they've succeeded unless they brought their father down. So the brothers needed to feel that they had failed unless their father came down to Egypt. That was their goal. And it's so easy for a believer to feel that they've done their job and they've been successful if they just brought the gospel to the lost, just that it would have been so easy for the brothers to feel this way if they had just, as though their, their job has been done, if they simply just brought Joseph's message, did it quick, brought their testimony. And that's why Joseph adds these last words in verse 13. You bring down my father hither. In the same way, the Lord wants us to not feel that we've been successful unless a person we're witnessing to has been saved. That means we're going to feel a lot of failure, and so welcome to the club especially Jewish work. But this is the application to our witness. It's a part of our witness in verse 13. You shall haste, you shall bring down my father hither. That's why the word persuade is so important in 2 Corinthians 5.11. 2 Corinthians 5.11 says, knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. Persuasion is not just delivery of the message. Persuasion goes beyond delivery of the message. In our gospel witness, we don't just deliver like a UPS man the gospel message, but but we look at how can we persuade that lost person to come to the Lord Jesus to be saved. And that's our goal with the gospel witness. And that was the goal that Joseph held out to the brothers, bring father down. And so we've seen from this history of Joseph here that where he's instructing his brothers these four important elements of being a witness for God. We saw from verse 6, Verse nine. We saw from verse 9 when Joseph said, Thus saith thy son Joseph, we've seen that our witness must contain the Bible says, what the Bible says. That's our authority. Second, from verse 13 when Joseph said, You should tell my father of all my glory in Egypt and of all that you have seen. We've seen that our witness must contain our personal testimony of what the Lord Jesus has done for us. Third, from verse 13, when Joseph said, you shall haste, we've seen that, that, he, that, that, that we have to receive the transfer from the Lord Jesus of this sense of urgency to get the witness out. And fourth, from verse 14, 13, when he said, bring down my father hither, we've seen that our goal is not just to deliver information or, or, or personal testimony. Our goal is to get the lost saved. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for the faithfulness of Joseph, Lord, and, and thank you also for writing all these things to us this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. 
Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org and sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestorationministries.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, P.O. Box 711-330, California, Santee, California, 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org, tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. What are you doing Sunday nights? Join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for the Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. Do you have fatigue or trouble getting out of bed or just getting through the day? Are you so tired you can't focus? Do you feel like your life is drained away? Do you have fibromyalgia headaches? I have good news for you. Our doctors at Scanabody's Imaging and Therapy can give you cellular ozone therapy. Why not get your energy back now by calling us at 1-888-529-9016 or visit us at treatmyfatigue.com. 